Hi, I'm uh, Vince Saracci, um, here to talk about the Kucho Copper Project Feasibility Study. Vince, it's good to see you. Like, we, we saw you not too long ago, middle of, middle of September. I think we had a great conversation uh, then. Um, and this was a moment that I think we were all, the market was looking forward to. I was looking forward to speaking to you about the feasibility study numbers out. How do you think the market's reacted? The market's reacted, I guess, um, you know, not as well as I think it should have, to be honest with you. Um, and I think that will come um, as the market's digesting this news. Um, because the way I look at this is we are trading um, probably one of the cheapest market caps and cheap, cheapest price on a, on a P2NAV basis in our peer group by far out there right now. And I think people are going to be digesting this over the next period. And um, I think we're going to see just on that on a value basis alone, um, I think we've got significant upside still uh, in our share price. So you know, you're not you're not happy. I mean, you've had a, you've had a good run of it this year, and since we spoke, you were 85 cents when we spoke. You're up over a buck now. Um, the momentum seems to be there, but like you say, you're still only 100 million market cap company. Yeah, I'm um, I'm tough to please. <laughs> I, um, you know, we've had a great run over the year. Yes, and um, and it's been the build up to uh, getting this feasibility study out, which. I think is um, an instrumental achievement in the life cycle of this project. Don't forget, I think we talked about this last time. This has been around for the better part of 20 years and it's had a lot of false starts to it. Um, and it never really, really kind of came to this point of completion, this point of confidence um, in, in over 20 years. Um, and I think we're there now. And I think what we put out with a very trusted engineering group like CSA Global, a very robust, feasibility study. And we, you know, our objective was to build this, uh, and I'll use the word robust again. I didn't want people out there poking holes in this. I didn't want from, you know, the guys like the analysts and the bankers and all the guys out there who can, you know, this doesn't have it. It This was built, it's solid. Um, from what we did and the use of our metal prices in the feasibility study to, you know, how we designed and constructed the mine plan around this, um, to, to um, you know, how we how we proposed, you know, the capital around this. Um, we, you know, there's a lot of things we could have done, but this is this up to be the most, call it robust study, because, you know, I want this thing to lend itself to um, credibility from a number of standpoints, including M&A. You know, if I'm looking at, you know, guys out there wanting to, uh, you know, kind of take a strategic investment in this or buy the company, I want this to be real. And, and this is real. But, but here's the thing for you. I mean, we talked about this last time a little bit, actually, which was initial capital cost, right? 483 million bucks, right? You're 100 million bucks company. There's a problem that, with, with that. So it really depends on what you're going to tell the market about, you know, what you're going to do with this feasibility study. Is this a precursor to you trying to go out and raise funds? In which case, that's going to, that's going to be an interesting conversation. Or is it a case of, Hey, at least we know what we've got. That's a really good foundation from which to build. Cause the other thing we talked about last time was exploration. So, so what's the plan? Yeah, I mean, listen, I don't need to raise $483 million right now. That's that's down the path. As far as I'm concerned, right now, I'm trading around a, probably a 0.2 or less P to nav. 
the peers in the group out there right now, and if you want to see it, we, we put this together. It's in our presentation on the website. Go take a look. Um, you know, the, the average uh, in our in our in our peer group right now is trading at about 0.56 to 0.6 p to nav. That means I'm I have upside of three x from here if I if I can achieve something that out of the peer group. And you know, I would also argue but what is that, that thing? What is that thing? How do you get from 0.2 to 0.6? You've put out a feasibility study. You're way ahead of some of your peers. So there's a disconnect. I think now it's making the market aware of what we have. That's what it is. You know, now again, and I'll refer back to, and I think I've said this, and you know, this project is at a 20 year life. There's, it, it, it hasn't really kind of um, had a level of confidence that it can get now. So it's out, now it's on us to get out there and kind of tell the world and show the world, you know, that, you know, what this is. And I think, and you know, this has primarily been, it's been, well, Primarily, it's been a 98% retail story for the last, you know, couple of years. I don't have an institutional audience. That's what I'm hoping to build right now. Um, and that's what we will continue uh, to strive for and build over the coming months. So, A, you know, we don't one need to go out and raise $480 million right now. That's that's years down the road. There's a lot that we can accomplish to increase the value of this project and the value of the asset, one through hoping to achieve metrics closer to our peer group, and that would reflect directly into our share price. Um, and number two is, Upside, you know, now what we're going to be focusing on is upside of the project, um, which, you know, I'll put up a quick slide here for you. And, and let's talk about exploration potential. And well, well, before, before, you, before, you, before you do Vince, right, before you do, um, yeah, leave the screen up, it's fine. Um, it, it's, here, here's the question I've got for you. There's one kind of disconnect which you do need. And that's to do with the legacy history of this thing. You said it yourself, this is 20 years in the making, right? People are making assumptions and connections with the past, which is which is the big problem that I think you're you're having to overcome here. So there's a disconnect that you certainly do want to try and, and, and achieve in the marketplace. So how do you help people go? This feasibility study tells us that there's a there's a good project here. Whatever you thought of it in the past, forget it. It's time time to look forward here. The the yeah. IRRs are good. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying they are good. You need to tell me if they're good. You know, or, or tell me your sales pitch to say to people, yep. this, is, this is a new old story. Yep, it is. I mean, listen, look at, I mean, look at the margin. Yeah, it's a good IRR. It's a $460 million after-tax MPV. But let's, let's not stop there. Again, I, this is based on $1.50 zinc and $3.50 copper. The sensitivity and the leverage to copper on this is amazing. Um, and, you know, actually, uh, you know, if you go look at what we said in the press release and we did two sensitivity analysis here, you know, we did the one to, to, um, um, to spot prices across the board, right? Great. And it's amazing. There's all a $900 million plus MPV on spot prices on this project as it sits today. And that's 450 copper and, you know, zinc prices up where they are. Well, okay. So just in case there's naysayers out there, they, well, you know, zinc's never going to maintain itself at a buck 50 or buck 60. Okay, fine. Then let's put all those prices back down to base, zinc, uh, silver, and gold. And let's just focus on copper because there are a lot of people believe that, you know, copper in the future will move up. Well, if I focus on that metrics and that's one of the sensitivity tables, well, at $4 copper today, and that is the long-term analyst consensus right now, it's $4 copper, leaving all of the other metal prices at base case. Well, now I'm talking about having a $613 million post-tax MPV and a 30% IRR. For those of you who are bullish out there, and I go to 450 copper, well, now I'm talking about a $664 million post-tax MPV and a 35% IRR. 
That's the universe we're playing in. And also don't forget my capital numbers, and I would challenge this with previous reports out there, that's 2021 inflationary built-in numbers. Okay, We didn't cut any cards there. So we've got current, and in this environment that we know where there are inflated prices with steel and concrete and all this kind of stuff, that's built in there. Uh, but I'm not using inflationary copper prices at 350. I should be using four and 450. So that I think is even more of the picture, which is very, very compelling. Right. So I want to come back to something you said, which, which is we don't need to raise 483 million bucks. Do you mean, oh, we'll do an equity debt split? Or do you mean you bring in a partner? And if so, when? And what would that deal look like? Well, of course. So I've got opportunities. There's always a debt equity split. So I don't need to raise all that money, number one. Number two is, forget, we've got Wheaton. Wheaton, Wheaton still needs to contribute. And there's two important points to this. So Wheaton's got, I've got about 58 million US sitting there in the bank for the stream I did with Wheaton. Okay, so what is that? About 75 million Canadian. So that's there. Two is, um, we, if you notice in the Wheaton deal, we were talking about a $20 million US bonus payment if I hit a 4,500 ton per day throughput. That's what this study is based on. So there's another $20 million US. So suddenly I'm over $100 million funded on this project with no dilution. That's just coming from Wheaton against the stream. Um, and then again, so it's, it's yes, it's uh, you, you have a big debt component to this. Now, the other opportunity, and this came with me announcing about a month and a half ago, that was around the royalty buyback from Sumitomo. What I was keyed up on there was getting rid of the rofer on the offtake. I am now freed up to do a strategic deal on the offtake side. And there's been no lack of conversations with multiple parties out there already for the past number of months. We are a very sought after concentrate. We have a clean con. We are in the upper percentile of concentrates. If everybody knows what's happening in the concentrate market these days, it's tight. And it's going to remain tight for a very, very, very long time. So there's another way there against an offtake that I can raise strategic capital um, to, to go towards the build and the capex of this project without um, necessarily having to raise that money. There are a lot of moving parts. And again, let me also emphasize, we, it's, you'll see in the final reports that we file, but there's opportunities. We can't, tell, we can't say that in this press release. But as far as capital goes, you're always out there looking for used equipment, which could be a fraction of the cost to build this thing, which drops your capital number significantly. We've got other opportunities, low-hanging fruit that we're, we're investigating right now. And we're talking to groups right now about things like taking the road, the access road, which is a $30 million budget in, this, in the capital, and actually assigning that to a third party who would finance it. Now, we would then lease it back, put that into OPEX. That takes $30 million off that 480 number right off the bat. So it, it back, there's all it back these ends it. Okay, so you, you you got some optimization components that you you, you can do. Obviously, Correct. you would, right? But at the base case, we, we know what your costs are. I guess the question for Correct. me is, it comes back to that. I mean, I gave you some clue, some options there myself, which was, here here's your feasibility study. So what? So what do you do with it? What's the plan? What do we do with it now? Is we drive this project through permitting to a production decision. Number one. Okay, that's, that's the strategy now. In the interim, in parallel to that is, how do I get the value of this company up to where it should be? And, you know, 
That's going to come through educating the market now, because as you said, it's been 20 years, it's been a little disjointed. So now we go out and educate the market. But the other important thing, and this is where I want to share my screen with you here, um, is the exploration upside potential with this project is amazing. And this is value that we believe we can get into this company next year. So we've been in the last couple of months, and this primarily came about as we shifted into this open pit um, scenario, mining scenario for the main lens. And you can see that, you know, it's the main lens, the SUMAC lens and the SO lens that comprise um, our project right now. The main lens and the SO lens are what made feasibility study. SUMAC is all inferred. That's close to 10 million tons at about one and a half percent copper that hasn't made this feasibility study. So here's, there's two parts of low hanging fruit here. What can we do to expand, to extend the open pit? with respect to me, that is low cost production. Okay. And we're looking at two different directions, right? Um, but especially you see that gap between the main and the sumac lens that is historically only ever had one drill hole put into it. We believe that the mineralization does trend between main and sumac with a much lower cutoff grade now and much lower production costs. Um, that is a huge opportunity where, you know, if that mineralization exists, and potentially even the top portion of sumac, which is near surface, if we can expand the pit in that direction, that's instant value. Um, so, and that's something that you can do and you've seen other companies do where we can drill that off quick, we can get to a level of confidence quick and we can do a sidecar PEA or a sidecar even PFS around this to show the value um, that can come into the company, company into this mine plan very, very quickly. And the other part of the low hanging fruit is sumac. You know, our development basically runs when we when we start on main and we, we're driving development straight down to ESSA, um, literally year one, we pass 90 meters in front of SUMAC, SUMAC lens. So, you know, SUMAC is something that we're going to put some money into. We're going to bring it up in confidence from inferred into M&I. That's mine life, right? That, that could potentially be another four to six years of mine life. And it's sitting there, slow hanging fruit. Is just drilling it off at this point and seeing and, and seeing how it gets into the market. Okay, so so this is quite good actually because you know at 10, 11 years you are that's that's good for a company. It's not necessarily that attractive to a major or strategic partner. Yep. If you can extend the mine life, then that could be a game changer for you because if this becomes 15, 20 of years. It's a different set of conversations. And that's where I wanted to get to with, you know, where does exploration fit in the mix here? Because you've got the feasibility study, the sidecar of whatever else you discover sitting in between the, in between, um, CMAC and the, and the, and the main open pit is, is, is the plan. So what do you do with the feasibility study for now? Just park it up, focus on exploration for a bit because you think you can add to it. Correct. Right. Okay. Have you got money? How much money are you going to allocate to that? We're working through, we've been working through two months because our, our exploration efforts and our strategy around exploration shifted now that we went to the open pit on main. Um, so we've been working vigorously with our engineering consultants uh, who did a lot of our work in 218 to put together an exploration plan. We've got that plan in front of us. Um, now it's us, it's for us to choose how aggressive we want to get, how much we want to spend. I mean, I could probably next season drill up to 30 or 40,000 meters if I want to. Okay, that's that's the extent of the plan that we're talking about here, um, because it's not only you know in resource conversion or or um, or call it uh, you know pit expansion and all of this, but there's also blue sky uh, blue sky opportunity, and that's those are, these are the blue sky targets. You know this this horizon that hosts the SO Sumac and main deposit repeats and folds itself 
three times through our, our claims license, it hasn't seen any expiration since 1990. And VMS districts tend to get bigger uh, when, 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 you, when you go at them. But, you know, back to your point, well, how are we going to get money? The nice thing is, is that we're in Canada and BC, and what we're able to do here is raise money called, it's called uh, flow-through money. Um, and right now, uh, that capital, which can go directly into exploration, I can raise money at a 1.45 uh, factor or premium to market to raise any money I need to do um, for exploration. Um, you know, listen, I'm going to pick my spots. I think I've said this. I am, um, I'm, um, you know, cap table sensitive. Um, I think we're worth more than we're trading today significantly. I'm going to be doing a lot of work over the coming number of weeks to try to get that share price a lot higher where I think it should be. And, um, you know, if I can raise money at a significant premium with little dilution to something that um, I think I can add a ton of value to just by doing this work in, in, in eight months, you know, starting from today, um, sure, we're going to be going that, at that aggressively. When, do you, when will you make that decision about what that number is? Probably and, in the coming month. Right. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, obviously you're, you're sitting there at 1.1 1 .1, um, billion pounds of copper equivalent, right, at the, at the moment in terms of the M&I. You've got 460 or so, whatever, I think something like that, on the, uh, on the uh, inferred component. You can bring as much as that through. But the, the expiration, but how quickly could you, you know, do this sidecar on in, in terms of bringing some numbers into the M&I category? Quickly, we we can drill this out next year. The exploration plan that we're looking at is we can drill out this next field season. And considering we just finished a feasibility study and we've got all the updated metrics to everything that would else would fit into a P a sidecar PEA or a sidecar PFS, we can do it very quickly. We can do this next year, all of it. Right. Okay. Because the, 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 what you're working towards, or what it seems to me you're working towards, is building something, painting a picture for a mid-tier company to come in and either work with you uh, or, or, or certainly, uh, you know, lend you their balance sheet to be able to get this thing financed because copper's not cheap generally. I know you're kind of a low-cost version of copper, but it's still not cheap in terms of capex. In terms of the, the number of pounds that, or, of copper equivalent that you think you need to be able to present to someone like that, what, what's that number? It's, it's not 1.1 billion. What, what's the number? It's hard to say. I, I you know, I, I don't want to speculate too much on that, but it depends on who my audience is. I mean, you know, let's be realistic. You know, is this a project that um, you know, first quantum or Lundin is gonna is is it gonna move the needle there? Probably not, right? I mean, it's gonna be there's there's other producers in our universe that I think it's already attractive to. Okay, I think we're already there. And I think we're already there with respect to even just the confidence in the potential upside in mine life as it's presented. I'm going to continue down that path and I'm going to prove it out and I'm going to do all that, but I think we're already there. Um, so, you know, now it's, it's playing the game. It's moving down the path. It's, it's continuing moving this in forward. And, and so you're right. The feasibility study shows um, confidence in the asset. It is what it is here. Now, everything we're doing in parallel is one, moving it down the path to permitting, because the, the more and more you get down that path and closer to permitting, essentially the higher the value of your asset becomes because you continue to de-risk it, right? Number one. Number two is, and and my permitting budget isn't a lot of money. Um, um, and that could be part of a financing package that I do with a strategic. 
Um, but it's also, you know, moving this thing down the path. Now, all I'm going to be talking to people about is, well, how much more valuable I can make it. I've got the confidence in the feasibility study out. People know what this project can look like at minimum today. Now I want to show them, well, how big can it get? How much better can it get? And all this potential is there. Right, because I'll come back to a point you made earlier, which is you're, you're so heavily skewed towards retail, it's, it's probably damaging for you. The, the, you're restrict, restricting your opportunities. So when you say, how do, how do you go about telling institutions what it is that you've got? Because I'm looking at this thing going, okay, that's, that's quite a nice company. And so it's just kind of a company maker and its own right. Not, not, nothing huge, just a good solid company. But if you get some institutional money in there, um, it, I think it helps you go and raise the capital that you need. Um, it may improve your liquidity. Who knows, depending on how they play that. But it makes your money cheaper when you do come to raise capital, right? So that's why it's important. And I think it's important for retail, the retail guys too, but it's the institutional money that's gonna give that solidity and comfort. So what are you gonna do about that? Well, I've got, listen, I've been in the capital markets for 30 years. I got relationships with pretty much every bank on the street. And so that's what we're doing now. We started, um, we started doing that um, two or three weeks ago, but I take it back to everybody was waiting to see this study. So now, to the traditional non-deal roadshows with the bankers. I'm looking for analyst coverage. I got one out of Red Cloud. Okay, um, that came out. That was actually prior to uh, my fees. I think we'll see an update to that come out soon. Um, but I think I'm going to be set up here for a number of different groups to provide analyst coverage on this. And we'll, we'll post those on the website when we get them um, or, or who wrote it, people can get it themselves. But then it's now it's hitting the street doing these non-deal roadshows, getting awareness out there of the project, talking up the story. That's how we start building the institutional uh, investor audience. And then ultimately, when I think the time is right, then you can do things like an institutional financing and then really kind of bring them into the mix. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Is that you're going to need to do that to get them to be interested to, one, cover you, and two, come in and Correct. quickly get them into this, not just picking up scraps here and there. I've already been, I've already been offered institutional capital. Right now, I've said no. Okay, I, I think I'm too cheap, so I've said no. Um, I think, and I don't need the money right now. So I will take my time. I will go out there. I will do my best to market the story to try to get, um, you know, something as far as a valuation that I think we're more comfortable with. Um, and at that point, um, you know, I will, uh, I will look at raising some money, but it will be, you know, again, at a, at a, I think a, a more proper price point. And so, you know, there's uh, more upside for the shareholders. Do you think, I mean, just with the institutional hats on or, or just dust it off, put it on, um, people talk about gold being sort of anti-inflationary investment in, in, in the sense that, you know, in trouble times, you know, gold is safe harbor and all of that. Do you think that some of these green metals, like your coppers, like your nickels, can possibly get that status where they are seen as anti-inflationary measures given the kind of electric thematic and the whole greening of whatever we're doing? I think, you know, listen, the theme or the, the I guess the thematic piece to copper right now is tied into so many things. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're tied into the whole battery metal battery um, movement, 
right? I, that's We're there and that's never going to go away. But we're also tied into this entire infrastructure movement out there. I mean, look what the U.S. just announced. Right. I mean, and, and, and there's they're throwing five hundred billion dollars at things that are copper intensive, let's say. So that's not going to stop. Right. I mean, in this in this world, especially post covid, um, you know, you're going to see many companies around the countries around the world doing this, throwing money at infrastructure. And, and the infrastructure spends these days are very different than they were 20 years ago. 20 years ago, very traditional roads, bridges and yes, wires in the sky. But today, look what the U.S. is spending on. They're, 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 they're spending it on renewables. They're spending it on EV infrastructure. They're spending it on these things that are like multitudes more copper intensive than any of the traditional infrastructure spends in the past. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So I was reading something um, by Nick Snowden. He's the commodity strategist at uh, Goldman Sachs. And he's saying that basically the copper market's sleepwalking into um, a huge supply crunch Akin to you know what what happened in the oil market back in the two thousand, so it's it's, I think so. yeah, yeah, I and, think and signs you know, are there. <laughs> That's for sure. There is signs of that. And listen, I mean, I alluded to the fact that um, I'm already in conversations with strategics on this, and you know, with respect to interim or broader type financing objectives, these guys have their feet on the ground. These guys are the truth to what's happening out there in the copper market, and trust me, they're worried about supply side um, on the, in the copper space in the years to come. Um, so it's a good sign. I like hearing that, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, those are the guys with their feet on the ground and in the concentrates market and just generally speaking, the, um, you know, uh, the supply side of the copper market, they're not seeing this let up for many, many years forward. Okay, well, look, Vince, look, just want to check in with regards to the feasibility study. I'm glad we had the conversation about expiration. I think it's, it paints a clearer picture in my head about the way forward and some of the options available to you. And maybe we'll come back on and talk money uh, at, at some point as well. Um, appreciate your time today. Thank you. Always a pleasure being here.